0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: After two weeks of looking item by item, I walked away with a contract for $845,000 And I completed the entire building gracefully with a lot of trips, a quick trip. Uh, <laughs> it took me about three months. I cleared $150,000 with that. And that's when I settled up with it. That's when I realized, oh my oh, God, God, I don't know anything about anything. I just know buy for the dollar, sell for two. And I was able to do something that I really, really enjoyed. You are listening
0: to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and Kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf Today, Gathering the Kings podcast, I've got Daniel Chiska here on the King Stage, my brother, how are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm well. And I'm just really looking forward to this episode. I look forward to most of ours, all of ours, but every now and then I get a guy like you that says, Hey, you know what, Chaz, how can I help? How can I serve? I'm just here to serve today. And so I just so appreciate that perspective that you've already started with, and we haven't even gotten into it yet. So tell the listeners what kind of business that you have, my brother.
1: I'm a provider of skilled labor to the commercial construction industry. In this country, you have a general contractor that calls a specialty contractor to do certain work. And those guys, when their own crews are too busy, they call me and they say, hey, we have this project, can you handle it for us? And I do commercial roofing, concrete, and metal building assemblies.
0: Wow, love it. And so in an industry where labor probably more than ever has been short and people are stressed out trying to get jobs completed, they just call you. you take care, you're take you a superhero. You take care of everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a valuable asset. Absolutely.
0: I love that. Okay. So I want to know, before we get into your history and a little bit of your story, why do you build? Why, I mean, obviously, the types of projects that you're working on are very large, a lot of money involved. You could, in, in essence, sail away, I'm sure but you haven't yet. You're still building the business. You're still helping general contractors all over the country. Why?
1: First, I love what I do. It's, I know that even if I've done, let's say 10 Walmarts in a year, they are all a different story, different crew, different weather, different state. So my business covers the entire United States and I deploy my crews, whatever, like right now I'm speaking out of a hotel in Iowa. Wow, And we're roofing a mega factory here. And what keeps me going, I have certain goals that I like to achieve. Yeah. But besides the goal is the experience, the quality of life, the journey. And this is fun. It's You can never get bored because every single project, every single day is completely different.
0: I love the, obviously, enjoyment factor. I think a lot of entrepreneurs go back and forth on today, I love it, tomorrow, I don't. How have you been able to find that that piece, really, is what I'm hearing you say? You've got just this poise, almost, about you just because you love what you do. You, you're really enjoying it. How have you found that?
1: I started thinking about what are things that I don't like doing first, uh, oh, because good. the business has a lot of components to it. You have the sale, you have administration, you have a project estimating, project management, and I eliminated those parts. And in the work that I do, the fact that every day is different just makes me very happy. But at one point, because there is a lot of risk involved as we deploy a lot of people all over the country and we have to be there in time, there are people that depend on us. Right. I had to learn to trust people. And that was the hardest part. I had to learn to delegate, to just completely accept the fact that a lot of things are not under my control yeah. and I cannot spend the night without sleeping, worrying that the crew is going to show up or not. Did everything go okay, but I actually have to trust people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into that because you're hundred percent right. You can't really run any business at scale without trusting people. So we can definitely get into that. Let's talk about just your journey a little bit. I want to know how you got started. Have you always been an entrepreneur? Did this, did, was this your first business? Give us your background a little bit.
1: I actually, I'm one of those guys that never had a job.
0: I, I know never, those type.
1: <laughs> I never intended that. As a child, I've always bought and sold. I've always traded. I come from a okay. family where my grandparents used to sell vegetables in a marketplace. And as a child, they used to take me and let me do the sale, exchange money, use the scale, the whole nine yards, and yeah. But I think after college, I realized when my entire world was looking for okay, where I'm going to get hired, I realized that I'm afraid of getting a job. I'm afraid of getting employed and going Monday to Friday to a place that for no reason I can be told on Friday don't come back on Monday, and that concept was far scarier for me than actually having a business now. It wasn't always a formal business. Most of my journey was selling pizza coupons door-to-door, selling cell phones, Uh, but was always independent. I always had my free schedule, my free market. And it was later when I actually formalized things into a business as I learned more things. But yes, I'm one of the few that actually never had a job.
0: I think there's a lot of listeners, a lot of entrepreneurs that can relate to that. It's not always just about getting history or getting experience and then going out. It's, I just... Never got started in the corporate world, which I can appreciate. You've just always done your own thing. I love what you said about your grandparents. I have some kiddos now that are probably about that age. And so whether it's things from the garden or eggs from the chickens or just helping me with certain things. in some of my businesses, they're a little young for that, but I look forward to those moments where they have the recognition that you just described of, oh man, I get to exchange money or do the sale or whatever. That's good hope for a young father like me. Absolutely. Okay, tell me tell me like a little bit more about this business. How did you get involved here where you're doing major projects helping general contractors all across the country? What was the transition from selling produce for your grandparents to pizza coupons to running a GC business?
1: As an immigrant, I have a lot of friends that are in the construction business. Sure. I was born in Romania and a lot of our people follow other people from our country in the same trade a lot of my romanian guys do stock or ifas hard flooring and after college i was asked by them to help them out with sales with estimating and i learned a little bit about them but i didn't really understand or i was not really attractive by the business of it and frankly i was a little bit bored and i started a company that coding mysql I was building websites, but a little bit more than the, just the design, like structure stuff. Sure. But again, I acted as the guy who knows a guy. I sold it here, and I got coders from Romania, from Russia, from other places to do the work. Until one day, I was in my office, and this gentleman walked in, thinking that I'm the accounting office next door. And having a curious mind and having just learned a little bit of Spanish at the time to actually make a conversation since he wasn't speaking English very much, I started being curious and talked to him. And 50 minutes of conversation, I learned that three years of school, and I'm not talking college, three years of school, not any formal training, and still the previous year, he did $1.3 million worth of shingles of roofing. And that was the aha moment. I was like, okay, Uh the stage of my life where I do things to be intellectually satisfied are gone. Now I need to make some money. So I called all my clients. I let them know I don't take any new jobs for coding, for web development. And I started making a lot of websites, Atlanta Gardens, Atlanta Roofing, to see what comes out of it. And within three months, I got my first mega job, which was... Really small in perspective now, but it was to change carpet in an office. Okay, <laughs> and I literally told the guy that I can do it. I, before I went to the office, I went to Quick Trip to see guys that have the carpet sticking out to ask them, How do you price this? Who can do this for me? What they told me where to get my carpet, the wholesaler. Yeah. I went, I got some samples, went to the client. While I was there, he was telling me that he has to communicate with the movers because they have to move all the stuff in the warehouse. So we right. can replace the carpet and remove some cubicles. And I made a sale. Then I go back to Quick Trip, try to find guys that are actually going to do the installation. And while I was there, I saw a truck that said office movers. So right. I tap in his window, hey, can you help me out with these cubicles, with his movers? And they were like, oh, yeah, totally. And I called my client back and said, hey, can I do this? Yeah. Uh, can I do both? So make yeah. it easier for you. And the client said, sure, absolutely not. And that was my first experience with commercial wow. commercial work. And a little bit down the road, this was the sixth month, I got a call about a project that required brick pointing. Okay. And I took the gentleman's information, contact, I exchanged emails so he can send me the information for pricing. Then I hang up and I had to Google to see what brick pointing was. I really had no idea but I said, yes, I can do it. So same thing back to Quick Trip. I had to call a bunch of masons to find out somebody that would do it or price it for me because everybody was doing new construction during the 2005, 2006 new construction and nobody wanted to do it. I had to talk to 30 masons to find three that were interested. I get the job, the appointment, I go to meet to see the project. And The gentleman representing a restoration company that was handling the project was telling me that building was a meatpacking factory turned into condominiums. Mm. The roof caught on fire because somebody smoked on the roof. And when the fire department put out the fire, they saw water coming through the bricks. And that's when they realized that they need to reseal the building and in the process replace the roof, change windows, the whole nine yards. So... I shamelessly asked the gentleman that called me there. I was like, well, since, are you really busy? And he said, yeah, I'm busy. Since I'm going to be here for the next few months, would you like me to handle the whole building, the roof and windows and concrete, whatever was there? And he said, yeah, can you handle it? And I was very honest with him. I was like, I know I can handle it. Likely I will need to ask for some help as I go and some I'll have some questions for you. But at the end of the day, after two weeks of looking item by item, I walked away with a contract for 145000 dollars worth of work. And I completed the entire building gracefully with a lot of trips to quick trip. It took me about three months. I cleared $150,000 on that. And that's when I fell in love with it. That's when I realized, oh my God, I don't know anything about anything. I just know buy for a dollar, sell for two. And I was able to do something and I really, really enjoyed it. And that was my decision to get into commercial construction. And from there, jumping to commercial roofing was the fact that the economy changed. The whole market collapsed. And I realized that I don't want to have a lot of money in materials on a roof where the company may go bankrupt. So I chose to be just a labor guy. Yeah, And I started diving for dollars, calling all the roofing companies throughout the country and just telling them, hey, I have crews. Whenever you guys are not available, whenever you're booked, whenever you get a job that's too far from you, send me the scope of work, get the materials there, and I'll do it for you. And I've been doing that for 15 years.
0: Wow. I am so inspired right now. As you can imagine, I have some really cool guests on this show, but I've never said this. Like, We're only like, I don't know, 12 minutes into this or something. And I'm just like, if you haven't heard what you needed today as the listener, in all seriousness, I don't know what you're looking for. I literally don't know what you're looking for. Because at my humble level of having done millions of dollars in business, I now, having heard this small little piece of Daniel's story, I'm ready to go run through the wall in all seriousness. Because what I heard you say, and I'll give you a chance to add on to this, what I heard you say is that you took a chance. And I love what you said. I didn't know anything, but what I did know was buy for a dollar, sell for two. Like it, it is that simple. Business can be that simple. Obviously there was, like you said, a lot of trips to Quick Trip. You were asking help from some people. You had to network. There was a lot of nuggets that you dropped in there that just happened for you, but that you were proactively doing in the moment. And I'm sure you still do those things today, but I'm just picking out a few of these things here for the listener. And then the last piece is really just the fact that you even said it at the end. You said, I shamelessly asked for the whole building. And it's like, how many times as entrepreneurs do we just not ask? Do we either, we don't have the confidence or maybe we do have the confidence, but we're a little nervous about whether they, what they're going to think about us. Maybe I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how to do windows. I don't even really know how to do the masonry work, but I got them here. At least I'll just stick with that. But you just went for it. And I'm, I don't know if I've ever been so just like at a place where I'm like, okay, I got to go tell everybody about something. <laughs> Daniel, you fired me up, man. I want to give you a chance. Would you add anything to that? I tried to give a little bit of a synopsis on some points there for the listener, but would you add anything to the takeaway? Like what, what should the listener be paying attention to from that little story?
1: Don't be afraid to try because fear is paralyzing and fear is a dream killer. And at the end of the day, everybody needs somebody to help them through things. I mean, the Tesla guy didn't build all his empire by himself. Yeah, he connected the dots. But at the end of the day, the most people can tell you is no. Yeah. And there's that.
0: And that's, and that. that's it. That's it. as
1: much as lack of fear has been my biggest success. Fear also has been my biggest failure. Because there are so many more dreams that I have that for years, and I know there is such a pain point in the market for what I have the solution for, yeah. but for some reason, that fear is still the, is still the battle even today. Hey, Kings and
0: Queens jazz Wolf. I want to talk to you about something that's super important to me. We put a lot of time and effort. We meaning myself and my team into this podcast, into the content that goes out every single day. And if you have been getting any sort of value or insight from this, we want it to be able to reach other business owners too. So we would love if you would like, comment, share, leave a review, post, share again, (laughs) all of the things on social media, on all the different platforms, or even on the podcast mediums of Apple and Spotify. We would love to be able to get our content into more hands, more entrepreneurs, so they can grow their business as quick as possible. Together, we are building a community of like-minded entrepreneurs who are committed to growing their businesses to new heights. So let's do this. Let's help each other. Let's help each other grow. Oh, I, you just sent me on a whole upside down roller coaster by saying this because literally your first story has, has, I'm a pretty confident individual. And let's say I danced the line between confidence and arrogance, okay? And, but to hear your story, literally, I'm not even joking. I am so inspired and so built in my own confidence of going, wow, I need to be just shameless about what I'm doing. And then for you to end, with saying that fear still grips you. You're gonna to have to tell us more, but, but I want the listener saying all this to keen their ear. They're obviously listening already. Hopefully I've made a big enough deal about this, but I want you to speak to the point of fear. What have you missed out on, do you think? Or tell me a story specifically where fear held you back because you just,
1: I don't even know if I'm gonna believe you. Sometimes knowing too much, it's actually gets you to overthinking and the fear paralyzes you. And my biggest loss is missed opportunities because some of the opportunities are timed. The market changes, the stage in your life changes, the economy changes, and fear is still today. I have projects on my board right now that finally, just thinking about the conversation that I'm going to have with you, as you did send me some questions that you might touch through this interview it got me thinking that, okay, I'm sitting on 20 prime domain names right now that I have ideas for. And some of them cover the entire industry, but because I'm thinking about all the potential that has to go with it, I'm not doing anything. So now I'm starting to write the playbook for each one and literally finding people to get them to a business developer. Okay, here's the money. Make this happen. Right.
0: Yeah. Wow. I hope the listeners paying really close attention. They have their notepad out. I say that sometimes, but I'm I couldn't be more serious right now. What you just said is the fact that basically you're you're just as inspired by the things that other entrepreneurs do. Or in this case, just the simple questions that I asked you about your journey, then have compelled you to reach for yourself at another level, right? Because there's another version of Daniel that you're after. And for you to be able to go reach for that, Daniel, even though you've already accomplished so much and to be vulnerable about it right here, I hope that the listener is taking this home because <clears throat> we deal with it every single day. Entrepreneurs, right? We deal with the, should I ask? Do I have fear? Do I jump? Do I make the decision? Do I not? I love what you said there in there about knowing too much sometimes. It keeps us from processing good decisions. So many good things already. I think if you pause this thing and went back and listened to... The- Everything that Daniel has said for the last couple of minutes, 10 times, I don't think that you'd be disappointed. For the sake of the interview, though, let's continue because I want to know some good and bad decisions that you've made. You've talked about fear a little bit, being a differentiator on the good and bad, but I want to know like a specific decision that you made maybe early on, maybe in some of those first couple of years where it was this good decision that you can share with us has led to a good amount of your success. What is that?
1: Choosing to be consistent in reading it sounds maybe broad but it's very easy to be in a fast lane and doing your business doing over and over the same thing and forget that maybe some things take you in the wrong direction yeah and the reading has been the biggest form of education for me and the biggest form of keeping myself mentally in shape also being very Intentional about who I let around me. The power of proximity is amazing. There is no way you let somebody close to you without being affected. Actually, neurologists, scientists were able to connect the fact to discuss, They discovered the fact that if you sit in a coffee house next to a person you don't know, you don't talk to, yet their your brain synchronized. Right. So I'm a lot more intentional about who I live around me. And I see people that are smarter, grounded, that I can speak with and learn from.
0: Yeah, that's huge. Okay. How has that played out for you practically? Do you have folks that you can just pick up the phone and call? Do you keep a close circle? Do you have a friend that uh, that you guys meet on a regular basis? Like, what does that circle look like for you, like, actually?
1: I keep active in certain circles where I know there are people that have experiences and I approach them one by one and invite them for a coffee and I ask them questions that you would ask, but one-on-one. Yeah. What does your success come from? And it's not even about what they do, but it's about principles that they guide by. So there are people, different people, different journeys that I take a lot of things from, but it's never just one place.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. I love that. What I'm picking up is that not only are you keeping maybe close tabs on who's around you, which I think is so important, but then you're with those people, you're open minded to change or open minded to growth. Am I hearing you right on that?
1: Yes. Absolutely. Want to add anything there? There are so many different industries and so many ways of doing the same thing that sometimes just because somebody doesn't give you an example through a story Right. Uh, it could be in front of your eyes and you're just not seeing it. It's all a better perspective. And often we understand and we see life through the experiences of what we've grown up, what we grew up with or what we have done. So I get a lot from listening to strange people telling me their stories.
0: Yeah, you're so right. That's why podcasts like this exist. That's why you, it's why guys like you get to ask to be guests. Okay, let's flip the script, Daniel. Let's tell me about a bad decision that you've made, one that didn't go so well.
1: I believe from every five good decisions I did 95 they were bad it's a lot of failure on this journey and a lot of learning but some bad decisions probably was that accepting that paralyzing fear in my life and uh, I don't know if it was a decision or a state of mind or lack of decision yeah. but in actually still in actually still actually decide to stop for whatever reason and another decision was that I believe that I it was a missed opportunity probably more than a bad decision not going to law school even if I would have been, even if I would have had a law degree, I would have still become, been a business person with a law degree. I would have never been actually a, right. a lawyer, but it would have put me in different circles.
0: Yeah, for sure. And
1: I would have played at a different level.
0: Yeah. you Do you reminisce on that sometimes that you would, you'd be doing that sometimes, or are you content no, with I, where you ended up?
1: I don't regret, but I'm very conscious of the importance of getting around people with a lot of money, playing a different level, just because you see how they do things. And sometimes they just give you opportunities. Hey, can you do this for me? And it doesn't matter whether you do a small project or something big for them. It's just a matter of zeros at the end, but the, the rest of it is the same.
0: Yeah.
1: So no, I don't have any regrets about anything. I think regrets are a weight that anybody needs to discard. And I don't have that.
0: So good. I, I, we don't talk a lot about regrets. A lot of our bad decisions, like you said, are learning points. And a lot, I think a lot of guests believe that. Where did you come to the conclusion, though, about regrets? Like what you just said about it being weight and that it needs to be dis- discarded. Is that a family learned thing? Is that a book that you read? Is that a mentor? Who? Where'd you get that from?
1: Probably speaking with people. And at one point or another, I noticed there is a group of people that either complain about everything and they find excuses for everything that they don't do. Right. And they regret a whole list of things, but it's similar to fear. It's paralyzing, it's living in the past and it makes you even amplifies your fear of making mistakes. If you keep feeding yourself, talking about regrets and missed opportunities. So I don't know where it came from, but I have zero regrets. I recognize my mistakes, absolutely. Sure. And sure. I got the whole book to write on just on the topic. But if you're not willing to make mistakes means you're choosing to be inactive. And if you choose to be inactive means you'll never taste success.
0: Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah. Choose your path, right? Like you either Uh, are going to have hard this way or hard this way. I think for entrepreneurs everywhere, at least making a decision towards the action of achieving what we hope to achieve. And the mistakes along the way, I think are where we find the value as opposed to the inaction like you're talking about, because it's still a decision. Okay, tell me about a process now, or maybe it's a discipline that you have around making decisions at this level of success that you've got.
1: I run everything to the filter of my goals. I know what I want to be. Anything that deviates me from that, it's out. It's as simple as that. And I'm lucky to have chosen to do something that I really love. And because the prospect of reaching to my goals are so amazing, and even the journey of getting there, I don't need any motivation. Never never, and nothing can put me down. Yes, there will be some bump in the roads. There will be some setbacks. but. It's similar to computer gaming, to gaming. You have points for each game and you have your total points. So I watch that my net worth keeps going up to the point where I can do things that I want to do. And
0: Is the game of the net worth, as you're saying. So I want to know, naturally, I think we're all waiting. You said you run it through the filter of your goals, but then you said right after that, I know who I want to be. Who is that? Who is it that Daniel wants to be?
1: My wife and I are working to start a family. And if it turns out that Little party poopers show up. I would like to actually be a father. I like to be at home. I like to experience that life. Also, I've been around planes for a long time. I've been skydiving since I was in my 20s. And for some reason, another fear factor was fear of exams. I never got my pilot license. So my wife and I have been discussing to actually go ahead and we just finished our medical tests and we're doing it as a journey as a couple and started starting the ground school. And but I was always afraid of exams because I never did my homework. I was never prepared. Right. So my memory of taking exams was never actually good.
0: A little distorted. But
1: now we're going to work on that. So I like to travel more. Yeah. I visited a lot of countries and they've always been part of my my life. I don't think my life is going to change that much. As I grow older, I need to be to a place where my entire lifestyle is sustained from my investments. Right. Not from my work. Yeah, and often we don't think about that. Until we're older, because I made a lot of money, but they call it cash flow because money keeps flowing. So the money got spent. I didn't invest. I didn't start investing until in much later in life. Yeah. And now I'm there, but I need to be to the point where I make a certain amount of money that a hundred percent comes from invest right. investment, and yeah, that's where I want to be.
0: Yeah. I love that. And of course, naturally somewhere in there after you get your pilot's license and you have all these jobs across the country, you'll need a plane.
1: Absolutely. And that's a different lifestyle. Exactly. (laughs) Even the smallest Cessna, I just talked to PDK to the airport here in Chambly, Georgia, where I live and work. And just to park a small Cessna, it's $800 a month outside, of course. Yeah. But if you want to have a family and you want to get a passenger, even if it's an older place, still a couple of million dollars. Yeah. But it's America and everything is possible, right?
0: It is. Everything is is possible. And it's probably closer within your grasp than you realize. I remember two years ago, I have a close friend of mine that is a pilot and loves aviation. And we've talked real estate and business for, for many years. And he's always talked about having a plane. His grandfather had a plane, he's had a plane. And you can get a you can get a small plane for six figures, but some of the nicer ones that you're talking about, like two, three, four, five million, or five million, obviously they go up from there. But the reality of it is that it's probably closer than you realize if that's really what you want. And I, as I've heard him, because we talk together all the time, he's actually now in the Gathering the Kings Mastermind Group, and we talk all the time about him and this plane. <laughs> and it's it's so real to him. It's so real, and so it's become real to me. Even though I'm not a plane guy, I'm not necessarily a guy that enjoyed to travel, but I've never, I never grew up thinking that maybe one day I would have a plane, like just so far from the reality of my thoughts, but knowing him, it's just so real to him that it's actually become real to me. We've actually even matter of fact, we've talked about in the mastermind group, all the guys going, Hey, we need a plane. Let's buy one together. And so maybe we'll let you in on that deal and you can get a plane sooner than later.
1: <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do that.
0: All right, dude. So I want to know, I'm going to come at you in the speed round questions here. I want to come at you in a little different angle. I want to know if you took your business and you dwindled it down to one trackable metric, one thing that you could track forever and ever, what would that one thing be?
1: Net profit. What I keep at the end before I pay Uncle Sam and God.
0: I love what, I love the breakdown, Uncle Sam and God. That is fantastic. I now I am now taking that from you. I will give you credit though, every time I use it, Daniel C, but I'm using that from now on. Why? Tell me why is that the trackable metric?
1: Because numbers speak. it's the whole idea is to have a progress. Yeah. And of course, the progress comes in two ways for me every year. I look at both the net profit and actually another metric is how much of my money come from the investment versus Passive from me being involved.
0: Yeah, exactly. I love it. Okay. What book, since you're a heavy reader, maybe limit it to one or maybe a couple, but what book would you recommend for a six-figure business owner?
1: The Snowball Effect. It's a book by or about, it's a biography of Buffett, Warren Buffett. And it just opened, mine, opened my eyes to the importance of discipline investing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So good. And <clears throat> so for a six-figure business owner, someone... You know, much smaller in revenue than you. What is their takeaway from that book? Meaning, and be to be disciplined in investments. Now, is it to be disciplined in investing in their business to scale it? What would you say would be their like? What would you give to them out of that?
1: One of them is yes, being disciplined about investing, and secondly, investing in things that you don't manage. Yeah, a lot of people invest in real estate or invest in other businesses, and I choose to invest just in America, just buy index funds. And uh, it's very easy to control, it's very easy to cash out, and you can borrow against. Uh, Besides, you never pay capital gain unless you sell it. So you can actually keep it producing for a long time without having to be taxed.
0: Yeah, exactly, love it, okay. What do you think, you talked a little bit about this, but what do you think about networking with other entrepreneurs or masterminding with other entrepreneurs?
1: It's critical to dedicate time to that. And uh, though I have not been going to a lot of events, I recognize the importance of it because that's where you stumble upon a few people that you have a connection with sure. and with people that are like-minded, people that are seeking the same thing and find people that are where you want to be. Find people that are what you would like to become. Try to spend more time with these people and ask for advice, people that yeah. you admire.
0: I love that. All right. Last question here for you, Daniel. You've been incredible. If you lost at all,
1: what would you do? As long as I have my health and my reputation is intact, give me a cell phone and a laptop and I'll be right back on because I'm the guy who knows a guy and people always have problems. Often people ask me what should I do for a business and right. become a problem hunter. All I have to do is go out there, figure out what problems people have that are willing to pay money for. Yep. And that's it. So I'll Solve. start. It doesn't really matter what industry. I'm a business person in the roofing industry, but I'm not a roofer. Yeah. So I would start the same way. So
0: I, your perspective is so fresh and refreshing actually to me, being another guy who considers myself a business guy in the retail space or in the real estate space or in podcasting or whatever, I really see myself, or when you remove the X's and the O's of roofing versus real estate or retail or whatever, then the only thing that's left to talk about is high level ways that we think, the things that we do, the people that we're around, what we invest in, like all of the picture conversations, which I think a lot of people like to talk about, but they just don't always have the opportunity to with other high quality individuals. Daniel, how can the listener connect with you? Because if you're the guy that knows a guy, if you're the guy that takes on projects when a GC can't, how can they find you? How can they find you when they need you?
1: LinkedIn. That's the only place on a social network that I appear.
0: Okay. LinkedIn, you can find him there. You want to drop your website or anything for the show notes? We could put it in the show notes.
1: <clears throat> sure. It's skilledcrew.com and the link, you just search for my name, there are not too many people in my last name, so it's easy to find
0: me. Yeah, exactly. We'll put them both in the show notes so people can connect with you and find you. You've been absolutely incredible doing the podcast from a hotel room in Iowa, far away from family. So appreciate you. We wish you, you nothing but blessing and success in your business and, and that family that you're working on with your wife.
1: Thank you, likewise.
0: Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 kings, specifically, who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.